0: The following is a production of Natural Bliss Podcast for a better quality of life. Hi, welcome to It's Your Life. I'm your host, Joyce Wheeler. Today is Tuesday, April 2nd, 2019. Today, I'm here with Heidi Feather. Her passion for herbs was sparked at an early age. She was educated about the flora and fauna of southern New Hampshire by both of her grandmothers. Her quest for herbal knowledge led her to a working apprenticeship at Wiseway Herbals. There, she was introduced to the native people's indigenous wisdom of the herbs and their connection to the land. Through sacred ceremonies, She went on to earn a certification in therapeutic herbalism through Blazing Star Herbal School and also studied with Susan Weed. Hadi is also quite accomplished in the arts, both creative and esoteric. She is a level 2 Reiki practitioner, intuitive tarot reader, artist, wool spinner, all-around fiber artist, and plant dyer of wool. Plus, she is also apt at sewing and is becoming known for her tarot altar quilts which she custom makes by hand. Heidi feels it is her mission to help bring herbal knowledge into the world. She continues to be a student of the herbs and says that herbs have taught her many lessons and they have plenty more to share. The earth is populated by plants that can bring us into wellness. It is a wondrous gift from the earth. Yet with that gift comes responsibility, being responsible stewards, Heidi is here to teach and share. Herbs are not meant to be exploited for profit. They are here to be used on a personal and spiritual level from one being to another. Welcome to the show, Heidi. Thank you, Joyce. Great to be here. And great to have you back again One of my favorite guests. Thank you. So today we're speaking about something that you're dealing with personally, and that's Lyme disease.
1: Yes, it is something I'm definitely dealing with personally.
0: A lot of people are. Yes, there's some history behind Lyme disease. Do you want to talk to us about that?
1: Sure. Lyme, we have found out, or the bacteria that causes it, Borrelia burgdorferi, has been found in the what we call the Ice Man, who was found frozen in the Swiss Ty- Tyrolean Alps. He was carrying this bacteria. So for a long time, there was discussion that it might've been something that had been manipulated by science. There was even a article in Yankee Magazine about that possibility. But with this discovery, it's definitely something that has been around for a long time. But what has happened in the last 20 to 30 years, there has been a really large outbreak of it, which started in Lyme, Connecticut. And that is why it is known as Lyme disease because of the outbreak in Lyme in that city where people were found ill, were coming down with these strange illnesses, And that's where it was linked to this Borella bacteria that has been around for a long time. And we have lived with it. But for some reason, which we can get into, it has been triggered in our bodies that it is causing a whole lot of autoimmune diseases.
0: So what are some ways that people people could end up getting Lyme disease? Is it only through, I mean, most people, they think a tick bite
1: that is one of the most common ways and the thing is with the tick bike the ticks have several stages that they go through nymph stage to to the larger stage when you can recognize them of the tick but the lava stage is so tiny that you cannot see it and there's even reports that it can be spread by other insects.
0: What kind of other insects?
1: Possibly mosquitoes.
0: Somehow I knew you were going to say that.
1: Yeah. So, the, it, and there are different areas that are, Lyme is found all over the world, but there are like hot spots, areas where it's really most prevalent. One of them is in the Northeast, which is where I live, the Midwest, California, and the Southeast, where you live. But there is, it definitely is not just specific to those areas.
0: So what happens after somebody's bit by a tick or mosquito or something that's curing Lyme disease? Or do do you see symptoms right away? I've always heard about looking for a bullseye.
1: There is this, I would call it a myth, that if you're going to get a bullseye rash, if you've been bitten by a tick. That is a misnomer. That does not happen that It can happen, but it doesn't happen to everybody with Lyme disease. You may have no outward symptoms at all. And you can have Lyme disease and be asymptomatic, which means you show no symptoms of it at all. In other words, your body may not even react to it. You may not ever have a problem, but you still may be carrying it within your body.
0: Is, uh, that's what I wanted to know. Is it possible for it to be like dormant and then at certain per, uh, a certain point in time that all of a sudden you have symptoms? Yes.
1: Yes, definitely. It's, a, it's considered a stealth microbe. That is one of its characteristics. In other words, it hides, can hide in your cells. It can hide in specific areas. And it also forms a biofilm. So in other words, it builds a casing, so it protects itself. So that is very hard to detect, even with testing. And that's what makes testing so unreliable, especially when it is chronic. It can be totally unreliable with the testing. It's very limited, especially when acute affections, you've had it for a long time. And maybe the symptoms are disappearing, Um, symptoms like arthritis type symptoms, maybe fibromyalgia type symptoms and something's going on. You have a test and it comes back negative and you tested for Lyme disease and it comes back negative. Well, the doctors or, or professional may say, you don't have Lyme disease. That may not be true because of the stealthiness of this microbe. It could be hiding in your body and when you test it for it it doesn't test
0: it's reminding me of uh, mercury poisoning because the mercury will do that'll hide in certain part more not cells but the organs in a person's body so not everybody just like with lyme disease what you're saying not everybody has the same symptoms and just like lyme disease mercury poison is often misdiagnosed because the symptoms that someone has, like with my husband, they mimic something else.
1: Exactly. And testing is dependent on your body producing antibodies in a chronic infection. That is what happens. And if those antibodies are not present, and it's kind of like an endormant stage, then, then, then you're not going to test for Lyme disease.
0: And that's the same thing with mercury.
1: Right. And a negative... Like I said, a negative test does not exclude the possibility of that microbe being present. Right. Especially when you're in the throes of a chronic illness like fibromyalgia or rheumatoid arthritis. And I've heard, I
0: when I was looking at Lyme disease, I've heard that people who are diagnosed with those two issues often actually have Lyme disease.
1: Exactly. Most testing is a species specific so that they're, they're looking for just one species of the borella. and there are numerous species and they're actually finding newer ones all the time within the last five to ten years they've come up with new species of borella and it's not always the borella that is present there's other microbes that can add to that, like Rocky Mountain spotted fever is one that often goes hand in hand. So, in other words, the Borella doesn't travel alone, so it can travel with other microbes. Oh, wow! Such as chlamydia, Mycoplasma, mycoplaster, and other types. So, there's other, it's not just a single microbe that's causing the problem. So, you can see where this. And it's found pretty much everywhere. There right. are ticks. It's just what I said. There was, there are hot spots, but that doesn't mean it's not around in those areas. So
0: what kind of testing do they do for Lyme? Are they testing the blood,
1: the urine? Usually it's a blood test, and it's usually extremely expensive. Um, It can run into thousands of dollars and it's often not covered by insurance.
0: I heard that. I'm just, I'm sitting here and I'm kind of wondering, you know, if there's somebody who's listening to this and thinking to themselves, maybe I have Lyme disease, maybe it's not fibromyalgia or maybe it's not this or maybe it's not that. What prevalent symptoms can people look for to know for sure that or have a good idea that it's probably Lyme disease?
1: Before I go into the symptoms of of Lyme disease, that some people can have a Lyme type disease without the Borrelia microbe being present. So, in other words, it can be a combination of the other microbes that are causing the symptoms. So, the general the things to note about the symptoms of Lyme disease is the way that it affects people it can infect people in so many different ways it all depends on your body ecology and the way that your body is specifically acting with that bacteria right so so the most symptoms are chronic fatigue which i suffered from a lot in the beginning migrating arthritis joint pain muscle pain chronic back pain and disc degeneration, chronic flu-like systems, headache, neck stiffness and creaking, Bell's palsy, which is facial paralysis, brain fog, decreased cognitive function, noise and sound intolerance, ringing in the ears, disturbed sleep, blurry vision, floater's eye discomfort, eye pain, tooth pain, dizziness and instability, which I had that in the very beginning, muscle twitching, muscle twitching, which includes burning, tingling in the feet and hands, tremor, heads and hands, chest pain, irregular heartbeat, shortness of breath, catching breath, unstable bladder, gastrointestinal dysfunctions. And some of the what we have listed as diseases are fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus. Any autoimmune disease may be t- traced to these microbes that cause Lyme disease.
0: That also parallels merc- mercury poisoning. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, you know, from that we can see how many people end up being misdiagnosed.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Because the symptoms you're talking about, and even like the mercury symptoms, can easily be something else. Can easily be something else. So how did you find out for sure that it was Lyme disease?
1: My story, I think, is typical. I live in the Northeast. I'm an herbalist. I'm outside, have been outside a lot, um, what I would call bushwhacking, going into the thicker brush. So... I actually noticed a tick on me and I put clay on it right away, which is I will get into that later. But this is what happened to me because I just something told me to put clay on it, which was a good move, by the way.
0: What does a clay do?
1: It helps draw that stuff out. Gotcha. So but I didn't know the other component, which I will talk about later. I got bit by the tick and I knew something wasn't I just had this weird feeling but this rash started spreading out from it. And it wasn't a bullseye rash, but it was a rash. I went to the doctor right away, because even as an herbalist, we need to have a diagnosis to work with. So I went to the doctor and she was pretty sure by the look of the rash, even though it wasn't a bullseye rash, it was a spreading rash and the way it had spread. So she said, that's Lyme disease. And since I have a very bad intolerance for antibiotics, which is usually the first step, I really discussed what I could take. And I didn't want to take something for a long period of time. So I did take a short dose of very strong antibiotics. And then I started researching as much as I could and within probably less, i got in touch with one of my mentors one of my teachers and she directed me to timothy lee scott of dragon botanicals and i got some what they call an herbal protocol and put myself on that right away but what i realized after all the symptoms reading all the symptoms i'm almost 99 positive I had Lyme disease before I was diagnosed with it, before I got that tick bite because of all the symptoms. I was like, oh my God, this is what I've been living with for the past 10 years. Wow. So much so that a lot since I've been on the herbal protocols, which we can get into, I did for the first six seven eight months i suffered from chronic fatigue i would get up in the morning and i knew i wouldn't make it through the day without going to bed for the afternoon so i would get up force myself to do what i had to do and then go back to bed for the afternoon
0: you know once again there are with mercury poisoning
1: so i just like total fatigue but i noticed that some of you know During that time, I also felt an unstable, dizziness, which I had had before. A lot of that started to, over time and being on the protocol, a lot of my symptoms that I even had before diagnosis started clearing up.
0: That was when you were taking the herbal protocol?
1: Yes, but I do notice that in times of stress, that things can flare up again. Um, and I have to... I've been taking the herbal protocol for two years now, but I've lowered my dose, but there are times where I have to increase the dose. Some people cannot... Are uh, I think because I had it before my diagnosis, that it's something that I will probably live with. Uh, it will be something that I'll have to keep in check with the herbs, but some people, Can take the herbs for three months and they have no relapses.
0: We'll be right back with Joyce Wheeler and It's Your Life. Do you have jars of expensive beauty care products that just didn't do what they claimed? Many women are just like you. Spending big bucks on products that do not give results. At Heavenly Bodies, their products do what they say. Why? Because they use only certified organic plant based ingredients, which have been used by women for thousands of years. Heavenly Bodies believes every woman deserves to have quality skincare products at affordable prices that work. To purchase your Heavenly Bodies products, visit their website at HBOrganicSkinCare.com. We're back with Joyce
1: Wheeler and It's Your Life.
0: So how soon after a bite would they have to do that?
1: As soon as possible, I would get myself on the herbal protocol. If you know you have been bitten by a tick, whether regards you have a rash or not, I would do the herbal protocol.
0: Just to be on the safe side.
1: Yeah, because like I said, I'm 99% positive from the symptoms that I had Lyme disease before I was diagnosed, especially if you live in a high-risk area and you're an outdoors type person.
0: Right, so get at the protocol, even... Just to be on the safe side, even just to not fin-
1: and there's nothing that's going to hurt you. I mean, they can be, with any herbs; it can be side effects.
0: But do your research, you know. So, Heidi, there's something called the six steps of healing. Do you, could you please talk to us about the six steps of healing?
1: Sure. Actually, the six steps of healing was is something that was created by Susan Weed, and I think it is so very important to us on is something that i really really believe in so the first step is to do nothing so in other words check in with your body what's going on sometimes we do so much in our daily lives that we get stressed out sometimes we just need rest if we can't stay awake during the day or something we just may need rest we may need to nourishment and these steps don't have to go in order but this is just an idea to really get down to what's going on. And one of the biggest thing we can do is pay attention to our bodies. Is something different going on? Is this something I've had in the past? Is this something normal for me? Or is this something that's different? Knowing our body's wisdom is so important. I agree. The next step
0: is selecting information. Well, I'm sorry. Let me Let me ask you about the first step. How long should somebody just do nothing?
1: Well, you like I said, these are just steps and they can be done all at once. So it's knowing your body's wisdom, knowing if it's something that's happened in the past that will tend to go away or is it something different that's really not normal for you? If it's something that's not normal, then you definitely want to go on to the next step right away. If it's something that you've had before and you know will pass with time, then you're probably okay not to move on to the next step.
0: But we're going to get we're going to go back to what you had said that this doesn't necessarily relate to Lyme disease. Because as you said before, if you know you've been bit by a tick, you should go ahead and do the protocol that we're going to talk about shortly.
1: Right, right. And you most likely want to get go see the doctor too. It's always like as a Herbalists is always good to have a diagnosis because then you know what you're working with and so the next step along with that is collecting information and that's part of that is seeing the doctor and collecting information low-tech diagnosis support groups books knowledge is power is what susan weed quotes that's something we all know the more you find out about it the more you can take action, and in, especially we're talking about Lyme's disease. If you know you've been bit by a tick. First step is to see a doctor. Second step, even mean, if you like, you know, sometimes it's hard to get an appointment. You got several days before that appointment. I would be getting some information. I wouldn't. I would be getting out there, getting as much information as I can, and then we go on step two, which is engage the energy. That's more, that's more your holistic approach. So that's why these steps can be done all at once too. That's more in line of thinking of, okay, spirituality. Do you have a meditative practice? Do you, what calms you down? What, what's your center? Where's your peace? I call it your peace. Always coming back to that peace within. Not getting so fearful like, oh no, I can't handle this. So that's also affirmation, that's laughter. So that's kind of really what she. I think she's really speaking about. And what I'm thinking about is really being present with your body and really being present in what calms you down. And then we go on to step four, which is, I mean, step three, excuse me, which is to nourish and tonify. And hopefully you're doing nourishing and tonifying already. So it's not something that you've got to go out and add that you're using herbal infusions, you're exercising, you're making good food choices, you get massage on occasion, you get exercise. So this is something you are already doing, is steps two and three. It's something you should already be doing in your life. Right. And then we go on to step four, which is to stimulate and sedate. And this is basically engaging in Stronger herbs, engaging in stronger protocols. It may be getting into acupuncture. It may be taking herbal tinctures. And kind of four and five kind of go together, I would say, where you may use supplements. And what she says, and what I totally agree with supplements are not herbs. Anything you go into a pharmacy to purchase off the counter is not an herb. They're in pill form, they're not an herb. And you might go into using drugs and antibiotics, so to speak. Antibiotics are so openly used that I don't think, in all honesty, that they do much good for Lyme disease because of the way they... That's a whole nother show we could do about the overuse of antibiotics. But they are so overused that I don't see how they really can work. And What they can do is just short-term, it's not long-term. And what happens is many people take antibiotics and they're fine for a while, and then they have a really lapse because these stealthy microbes, they can't get at it. So that's what happened. And then the last one, which you wouldn't necessarily get into in Lyme disease is she calls break and enter, and that would be having surgery. That would be chemotherapy that would be really strong drugs. And this is such a good model for everybody, I think, is the six steps of the healing. You can find this online if you use something you want to look into because it gives you a roadmap into your health. And it's not saying don't use Western medical intervention. Take it one step at a time. See if there are other ways without going to the extremes. First, I, you know, you talked so much about,
0: about antibiotics. Are there not herbs or, or something more natural we can use as an antibiotic that is not so invasive to the body? Garlic. Garlic.
1: Garlic is nature's antibiotic, basically. Incorporating garlic into your diet is one of the best things you can do. And there's so many different ways to incorporate that into your
0: diet. Well, then we shouldn't have a problem over here because it's actually a food group in our house.
1: Ah, there you go. And of course, echinacea, I'm sure most people that anybody that's probably listening to this podcast has heard of echinacea purpurea, Um, that's a really good good one too that if that fights off the common ailments that people unfortunately rush to the doctor for like the common cold oh geez (laughs) but your garlic and echinacea can help you through the common cold or even the flu you know now what about oil of oregano that's
0: what we use
1: I do. uh, Another thing we've talked about which oil of oregano is is essentially essential oil.
0: No, 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 it's not an essential oil.
1: It's a high concentrate.
0: It is a high concentrate. We get it highly
1: concentrated. And so to me, that makes it like it's essential oil, which I do not recommend ingesting.
0: Well, and I totally agree with you. No, the oregano oil that we're getting it's in a gel cap. Wow. And it's. It, it, it's not an essential oil.
1: I personally, I mean, I can't tell people what to take and not what to take, what, you know, what they should be taking. I can only speak from my experience and what I believe it's something I would not take. There are, it, it would depend, it would depend on the situation. I would not just randomly take something like that. It would, I'd have to do my research and it would depend on the situation. Would it be better for me than a prescription? You know, that, what effects does it have on my body? Would it be worth it to eliminate what I'm trying to eliminate?
0: Well, from the research that I had done on it, it you know, it actually, it's, it's still like antibiotics is going to disrupt the gut microbiome, but with the anti- but with an antibiotic, it's going to take two years to get that gut microbiome back in check. Where with the oil of oregano, it's it doesn't deplete it so bad that it's going to take two years to get it back.
1: But this is nothing that I would recommend for Lyme disease, so. Okay, not...
0: just uh, wondering about that. So let's go into this protocol that you, you've you been talking about.
1: Sure. Okay, Joyce. Yes, the protocol I am taking. Le- um let me tell you what books that I recommend. I recommend Healing Lyme by William Rawls, MD. This book is written so well, and he's an MD that contracted Lyme disease. So, he, this book is easy for everyday people to read. If you're more scientifically inclined and you have a background in Latin, or even if you don't, I recommend Healing Lyme by Stephen Harold Bushner. A lot of great information. Uses a lot of Latin. (laughs) Not that great for the everyday person. I can get around it kind of, kinda, because I'm an herbalist. And then the last books I want to recommend, and this is why I preface it this way, is invasive plant medicine by Timothy Scott. And I recommend invasive plant medicine for anybody listening to this podcast. I think it should be in every single household in America. Everybody should read this book invasive plant medicine by timothy scott so that ties into my protocol that i am taking because it is made by timothy scott and he's a northeaster herbalist who contracted lyme disease and when you are sick and you can't go out and gather your own medicine you want somebody that has experienced the same thing you all have and has already made a protocol for himself that worked and is selling it so what is in what the most number one the best defense we have against lyme disease is called japanese not weed that's in my pro is in the protocol i'm taking it's called lb protocol lb core protocol and it's by his company it's called green dragon botanicals you can find it on the web and it not besides the japanese knotweed it includes cat's claw endographis sham barilla, and dandelion
0: so how is that taken are, are you combining all these ingredients like into a tea and drinking it
1: this is in a protocol so it's already pre-made it comes in tincture form or in and he also sells it in pill form i went for the tincture form because i'm not all into pill form i sometimes i don't think you your body accepts it as easily in pill form and I have trouble swallowing large pills, so it was a no-brainer for me to go with the tincture form. So it's already pre-made.
0: Okay. What is his website? Green Dragon Botanicals. Is that a .com or?
1: Yes, I believe so.
0: Okay. If not, they they
1: uh, they can just Google it. Do a Google search, and it will it will come out. It's out of Bradfordville, Vermont. If you want, I can talk about a little bit about each of the herbs. Oh, please do. That are in these and what they do. The Japanese knotweed is considered uh, invasive, and that's why I recommend his book Invasive Plant Medicine because a lot of our invasive that everybody is wants to go out and kill with toxic way in toxic ways are some of the best herbs that we have for healing. So Japanese knotweed is one of them it will hold a hillside together. Its root system is very tenacious. So it really digs down into the soil and goes really deep. And this characteristic is what makes it really great in the body because it really digs down and it goes into the, those places in the body and really weeds out those microorganisms that like to hide and be stealthy. It's an anti-inflammatory. It Anti-inflammatory. It is loaded with resveratrol, which has been all the rage of the latest health craze. It's loaded with that. So it's loaded with all these wonderful uh, healing properties. So it's an antioxidant. It's an antimicrobial. It's anti-cancer. It's good for neurological diseases. It's good for wound healing. And it's even good for removing plaque and tartar buildup for your teeth is really a great herb that is underutilized so that's one of them and then there's andrographis which is a chinese herb and that is also an anti-inflammatory antiviral antioxidant immune boosting and it's been in chinese medicine for a long time and then we have cat's claw which a lot of people use which is an amazonian plant it's an anti-inflammatory It's good for the digestion. It's good for viral infections. It's good for stimulating the immune system. And it helps fight viruses. Sarsaparilla is good for rheumatoid arthritis. It's a great antifungal. It has been used for syphilis and leprosy. And it's good for skin diseases. Then we have one of my favorites is dandelion. I would love to do away with Roundup because they go after dandelion every spring. And I hate it dandelion is one of our best herbs for our liver. It is cleansing for that it helps with waste products. It's just a really good all-around herb one of my favorites. That's great
0: information Heidi thank you so much for sharing that. Now we're at the top of the hour so if people want to get in touch with you where can they go to do that and what can they expect to find at your website?
1: Well the easiest thing is go to my website It is www. WildsColorCauldron.com, and on that there is a link to my YouTube and my Patreon page. YouTube is Wild Feather, and my Patreon is Wilds Color Cauldron. Patreon is where I do videos, podcasts, and writing about herbs. That's where you can learn about herbs, and it's really inexpensive—just basically a donation and you will be able to get all the information excellent
0: great well Heidi it's been wonderful having you on the show today thank you so much for joining us thank you you've been listening to it's your life I'm your host Joyce Weather, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the day wherever you are this has been a production of natural bliss podcast for a better quality of life